This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan in studio. We'll also hear reports from uh, Sierra Doctor, Don Wick, and Whitney Pittman. Seeing a mix of scattered light rain and snow this morning, uh, stretching all the way from Saskatchewan across Manitoba and much of North Dakota or scattered parts of North Dakota all the way into northwestern Minnesota. Temperatures will remain fairly uh, warm this morning above freezing, so uh, accumulations very light system expected to move out of the region by mid-morning. The Minnesota Ag and Food Summit taking place today in Minneapolis. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick previews the event in this report. Randy, the summit begins with the annual business meeting for the Minnesota Agri-Growth Council. The summit itself is featuring geopolitical specialist Jacob Shapiro. There also will be in-depth discussions regarding the ag economy, sustainability, and filling the talent pool that is needed in the farm and food business. Agri-Growth is an umbrella group that brings together Minnesota's major ag companies, farm organizations, and more. One highlight, of course, will be the Distinguished Service Award that will be presented at midday. Reporting from the Minnesota Ag and Food Summit in Minneapolis, I'm Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network. USDA releases its November World Agriculture Supply and Demand Estimate Report, or WASDE, report at 11 o'clock this morning. A survey of market analysts by the Wall Street Journal expecting USDA to bump corn yields to 153.2 bushels per acre. That's just slightly more than the October number. Uh, analysts expect U.S. soybean production to be down slightly on slightly lower soybean yield of 49.5 bushels per acre. Grain traders doing their final positioning ahead of today's WASD report. Advanced trading commodity research analyst Brian Basting says there is a wide range of estimates, though, for this report. You know, it depends on what part of the country you live in. What we're hearing, Randy, is that some of the yields in the eastern Corn Belt are outstanding. That, that harvest has been delayed, however. I'd remind your listeners, in the eastern Corn Belt, only 45% of the Ohio corn crop have been harvested as of Sunday. In contrast, for example, up in North Dakota was 67%. Uh, on average, Ohio at this time of year is 62%, so they're 17 points behind average. Basting says in those yields may not be known now until that January WASD report. So a case could be made that, that maybe not even this report will capture what the yield was out in the east, or the yields were out in the east. Uh, same thing in Michigan, only at the 40% corn harvest, 54% on the five-year average. Indiana is even behind, so 68 to 76. So the, the Eastern Corn Belt is reporting some very strong yields. However, though, Randy, that's in contrast, needless to say, as you go further west when the drought had more of an impact. So uh, it's a mixed bag. Uh, is the big going to get big enough to offset the, the smaller crops, which could get smaller? Um, we may not know the final answer until January. And Paradigm Futures market analyst Kent Beadle expects traders to lean bearish going into today's report. Yeah, there's a lot of things we're going to watch. Um, obviously, uh, any adjustments to U.S. yield, is, those are the first things that we're, the market's going to look at. Um, prior to this morning's session, it certainly appeared as though traders wanted to lean a little bit bearish on the, on the corn side. Uh, average trade guess is, is, is up a, you know, a couple of tenths of bushel over last month's estimate. And the trade will also be looking at South American production estimates. We think it's kind of early for them to uh, to lower Brazilian bean yields. 
despite the, the less than stellar start, you know, they are still, um, they are still trying to get some of that crop planted, of course. So it's, it, it is a little bit early. Um, and then, uh, you know, whether or not there's any other, uh, things on the balance sheet, you know, with, uh, all the Middle Eastern, uh, concerns, uh, Israel and Gaza and the like, it's, it's as if we pushed the, uh, the Ukraine and Russia situation, um, you know, way, way to the back of the bus in terms of uh, uh, in stories of interest. And that WASDE report again out at 11 o'clock this morning. CHS finished its fiscal year with net income of $1.9 billion, up from $1.7 billion a year ago. That's the highest earnings in the history of the nation's largest cooperative. As a result, CHS intends to return $730 million in cash patronage and equity redemptions to its member cooperatives and farmer owners in the upcoming year. Strong meal and oil demand delivered higher earnings for its soybean and canola processing business. However, margins were down for wholesale and retail agronomy products, with prices down considerably from historically high prices the previous year. CHS's energy segment had strong earnings, helped by positive market conditions for its refined fuels business. This is the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. More than 100 farm and food groups working together on a campaign called Farm Bill for American Families. The groups are calling on Congress to pass a farm bill on a timely basis. American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duvall, part of an event at the National Press Club, and admitted it'll be difficult to get a farm bill done before the end of the year. To get the legislation done right, Duvall said the groups support a short-term extension. North Dakota soybean growers are in Washington, D.C. this week. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. North Dakota Soybean Growers Association Executive Director Nancy Johnson says they're talking to congressional leaders about biofuels and, of course, the farm bill. We are, um, we are in Washington, D.C. this week. We've wrapped up some meetings with our congressional delegation and um, while we were uh, concentrating on the situation with renewable fuels, we certainly did have an opportunity to talk about the farm bill with everyone, and and we are, you know, we're definitely receiving indications that there's work continuing, but no one is just quite sure when it's going to be moving forward to the next step and and voting on it. A farm bill extension is becoming more and more likely. We have been hearing that, uh, you know, that the the four people that sort of are the 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 chair and the ranking members on the Ag Committee are are moving in that direction, no question about that. Uh, Senator Stabenow made an announcement last week that um, she is less inclined to think we should push something through and more inclined to have some extension, and that is quite a change in the position that she's had uh, maybe for the last six months. And certainly Gigi Thompson is really anxious to keep things moving so that um, that we can uh, can get a farm bill in place. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Planning for the 2024 season is underway. Bayer customer business advisor Adam Sipp is expecting soybean acres to increase in his area, spanning from eastern Trail County, North Dakota, to parts of Becker County, Minnesota, in the coming season. From polling customers, uh, soybean acres are going to be strong next year and corn will likely be flat or, or a touchdown maybe just with the market price and then 
uh, with how the market price was going into this season was fairly high. Uh, a lot of those corn acres were maxed out on a lot of farms. So either either flat to slightly down on the corn, it, it seems like. Um, and then the wheat will likely suffer to the soybeans a little bit, just from what I'm gathering, I guess, in my my eight counties. SIP encourages growers to select hybrids that have data to back them up. We really like to encourage everyone is to look at multiple years of, of data points. So our, our new hybrids could be hitting really well this year and then next year on, on different acres maybe aren't as good. I don't recommend putting brand new stuff on half of a farm or, or more uh, just because we don't have as much information on them. So I, I tend to stick to my large farm recommendations, you know, large percentages to hybrids that I've seen for three years. And okay, we've got a, a 65% win rate against other hybrids in that, that category. For the third consecutive year, the North Dakota Beef Commission hosting producer meetings. Executive Director Nicole Warner sees these meetings as an opportunity to reach out to the beef checkoff investor shareholders. We're really excited. We've had a lot of good feedback from these where producers knew that they were paying into the checkoff. They knew that things were happening, but they didn't specifically know where their dollars were going. And this is an opportunity for the producer board of the Beef Commission to share what projects and what uh, investments that they're making. Producer education, just one goal for these meetings. It's also an opportunity for producers to share their thoughts and ideas, too. If there's something that our board is missing, they're able to voice those opinions at that time and let the, the board members hear them. And those meetings, November 28th in Golden Valley, November 30th in Carrington. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Grain shipments could be altered with low waters uh, causing uh, rising concern. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. NDSU Extension Crops economist Frayne Olson says besides the war between Israel and Hamas, he's been watching water levels on the Mississippi River. Well, we always have kind of the weather and planting progress in, in South America, and, and obviously we're watching what's going on in Brazil very closely. But one of them, of course, is the low water levels in the Mississippi River, the lower Mississippi. Now, the water levels have gotten better than they were before, let's say a month ago. Uh, but they're still the, the water levels are so low; it's still restricting normal barge movements, um, and that has an impact not necessarily on on grain directly up here in this region because we don't send a lot of our grains from from North Dakota through the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, but it does have an impact on, on fertilizer. Olson says water levels could slow down fertilizer shipments and impact price and availability. Because a lot of the fertilizer that will be for next spring and with the fertilizer that will use to fill some of the inventories after we get through this fall period, uh, moving into next spring, come up the Mississippi and are reloaded uh, onto trains and delivered up into this region. And so if these limited barge traffic continues to be a problem, that may have an impact on not only pricing, but also the availability of, of fertilizer as we move into the spring months. So that's one thing to, to be watching for. The other piece that, that is starting to play a role, uh, although minor, but it's still playing a role, is the low water levels through the Panama Canal. Olson is concerned the lake that feeds into the Panama Canal has low water levels and could affect grain that is exported to Mexico. Reporting Agriculture's Business.
This is Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. The Army Corps of Engineers has released a statement saying water releases on the Missouri River at the Gavins Point Dam in Yankton, South Dakota will be slightly higher than last winter, which were at the minimum rate. Gavins Point Dam is set to reduce water releases in late November. As navigation slows down, October runoff in the Missouri River Basin was 124% of normal. Checking markets before we leave you this morning. We're seeing December wheat in Minneapolis down three and a half cents. Chicago's down six. In Kansas City, December wheat down four and a half. December corn is down two. March corn down a penny and three quarters. January soybeans are trading two and a half cents higher. March soybeans up three and three quarters. And canola is trading down $1.20 a metric ton. Checking uh, the uh, farm calendar. Again, the uh, Agri-Growth Council's uh, uh, the uh, Agri-Growth Council's uh, uh, workshop going on today in Minneapolis. We'll hear more reports from Don Wick on that. Also coming up, uh, the North Dakota Angus Association's annual meeting in Bismarck tomorrow. And the NDSU Harvest Bowl coming up on Saturday. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.